0: Did you know that Costa Rica is one of the happiest countries in the world?
1: This episode of TripCast360 is sponsored by David's Cruise Vacation, a travel agency that specializes in both land and sea adventures for the intrepid traveler. Book now at davidscruisevacations.com and experience that hands-on personal service. Hello and welcome to TripCast360. We are the podcast of lively banter about travel, tourism, and entertainment. This is Michael Gordon-Bennett coming to you from a, believe it or not, cool Las Vegas, Nevada, and I believe today is October 1st Oh, my sister's birthday, which I better not forget. And my dear friend David Cumberbatch is out on Long Island. I don't know what he's doing out there besides rubbing his uh, beard off of his face. I think the hair is all gray. What, what do you got, gray hair there, Dave?
0: No, man. This is, um, this is white. It's not gray.
1: Oh, okay, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There was a reason for those of you who uh, knew me back in the day, especially after, uh, you know, back in the days when I was doing acting, I had a mustache. I shaved it off 25 years ago because it's completely gray. It 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 went from like this beautiful black beard to gray in like two years. What's wrong with
0: being gray? I don't understand it. I don't get it.
1: I wasn't trying to look old and distinguished. I was still trying to look beautiful, which, which I had failed that miserably, by the way. <laughs> so.
0: Oh, man. I see in some parts of the world, uh, they begin to open up. Australia is on track to reopen by Christmas. How about that?
1: That'll be great. You know, I, I think a lot of people have missed the boat uh, on, on how much, well, they may not have missed it. The impact of the loss of travel and tourism on the economies of the world. It it can't be understated. Travel and tourism is usually either the top one, two or third uh, highest uh, um, uh, per capita uh, source of income for every country on the planet. That is right. And for a place like Australia to do without tourism dollars, I mean, even here in the United States, we've been partially open for six months. And I live in Las Vegas. This place, it's doing great, but it's still struggling. Half the people in this town Mm -hmm. who work in casinos are still unemployed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How countries in South America and the uh, Caribbean that are quite a few of them are extremely highly dependent on uh, tourism?
1: I don't know. My, me personally, I don't know how your region of the world, the Caribbean, I'm specifically talking about, is going to recover anytime soon. I mean, we've still got some travel uh, latent uh, hesitancy out there. And uh, I, They've taken it on the chin. I mean, you know, you had Hurricane Dorian hit the Bahamas two years ago. And they never recovered from that. And then here comes COVID. You know, and I, I saw a stat yesterday or the day before that only 6% of the people in the Bahamas have had a vaccination. Six. Num- not numbers. six, not 26, six. Numbers are
0: horrendous,
1: man. Yeah, and there's other places like, well, no one goes, I hate to say this, and it's blasphemy, I guess, if you talk about going to Haiti for a vacation, but they've got less than 1% of their population vaccinated. But some of the other tourism hotspots in the Caribbean, they're all under 25% vaccination.
0: There's quite a bit of it. It's not, well, you know, there's a hesitancy factor. But in some of these places, it's availability. That's true. That adds to the equation.
1: That's true. And as the global supply improves, uh, hopefully they will get, uh, get some of the people vaccinated. But, you know, without getting into the politics of the vaccination process, it's going to be a while before the world recovers. I don't know how long it's going to take Australia to recover. I mean, this is revenue you're never going to get back. It's gone. So then states have to adjust their budgets and then, you know, some things have to go without. And like I said, we've still got an unemployment problem in the United States directly related to travel and tourism dollars.
0: Well, you know, I remain optimistic. That's my nature. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, okay, Mr. Optimism. Um, <laughs> anyway, we've got a guest waiting in the wings. But before we do, uh, I want to go from my normal run of housekeeping notes at the beginning of every podcast. TripCast 360 podcast is available anywhere you get a podcast. iTunes, uh, uh, iHeartRadio, Google, Amazon, You know, you know, the routine, just go look it up. But the best place to catch this podcast is on our website at tripcast360.com. We post a new one every Monday. Uh, holidays excluded of course anyway um, so please like subscribe share follow you know you know the routine join us uh, you know we we like to have you if you have any uh, suggestions for future episodes uh, you can either hit us up with our social media which they will go over in a minute or you can just simply send an email to tripcast 360com if it has some tangential relationship to travel there's a high probability we will talk about it
0: Well, you can't forget social media, social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, name them, we're there. We encourage you to like us, tag us, and just tell us about it. You know, we'll be happy to hear from you.
1: Nice, nice, nice. Now, let's get to our guest. She is going to, we're going to have a great discussion about one of my favorite places on the planet, and that would be Costa Rica. Her name is Kathleen Evans. She is a writer for International Living Magazine. Her beat, if you want to call it that, is the aforementioned Costa Rica. She grew up facing the brutal winters of Chicago and later lived in South Africa and England before settling in Austin, Texas, another one of my favorite places, but Kathleen... Is more than her Costa Rica experience. Her website, Catched Journey—that's Cat K A T S Journey. Catch Kat, Journey. Journey features stories on everything from finances and sex to food, wine, and other global adventures. She is now a permanent resident of a place near and dear to my heart: the again aforementioned Costa Rica. And I want to warn you now—if you hear me getting a little wistful about Costa Rica—I Rica, will apologize in advance. Ah, now nah, I won't. Kathleen, welcome to TripCast Three Hundred and Sixty.
2: Hola, mis amigos. Ah, Gracias.
1: <laughs> ah, little
3: misigo.all <laughs> in the house
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, It is great to be here with you today, and i'm I'm thrilled to connect with your your audience. I love your podcast
1: oh, so, we're, we're gonna friends. have some fun with but, you.
2: Yay.
0: Yeah, but Kathleen, you grew up in Chicago, like Michael mentioned, Uh, some really, really brutal winters. I can only imagine about those. And in 2013, you ended up in Costa Rica.
3: Yes.
0: You wanted to get to where the the sun is warm, where there are beautiful beaches, but there are plenty places in the world that you could have chosen. Why did you choose Costa Rica?
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question, and there's a very long answer to it, but mm-hmm. I have a little time here today. So um, I'll share a little bit more of my story with you. Um, I did, I was very, very fortunate to be able to do some international travel with my family, and um, I studied overseas for a, a semester in England. And just having those experiences alone, I realized there's so much more to the world when you see the world. And I really wanted to experience and embrace uh, foreign cultures as often as I could. Mm -hmm. um, Continued to travel when I could afford to do so, but life became, you know, the, the the responsibilities of real life happened and got married and had a corporate job and that sort of thing, but travel was always part of the my heart and soul. And um I happened upon this magazine, this is back in the 90s, early 90s, um, called International Living.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, well, my goodness, there's actually a magazine that helps people learn how to live somewhere else this is incredible and this is before the internet and I filled out the little tear out postcard you may remember those and sent in a little check to subscribe to this magazine and uh every month I I would dream about how can I make this happen how how You know, I've got all these responsibilities and things I have to do in this country. How can I actually move? And um, my husband and I, when we travel, we look different places and say, okay, would this work? If so, could I actually live here? Let's, Let's explore deeper. Let's go to a cafe and talk to the locals. Let's go to a pharmacy. Let's go to the market. Let's see what things cost. Let's go out with a realtor and look at property, look at rentals, look at purchase price. And this is something that we continued to do for for decades, actually, right? Um, And we had vacations in Costa Rica and loved the vibe and we kept returning. You know, it was the, the warm people and the the beautiful sunshine and, and the nature that was all around us. And so we kept looking and then we'd look somewhere else. Ooh, international living says there's great deals in Belize. Let's go down to Belize and check things out. You know, let's, let's go to Panama. They, they use us currency. This could be very easy. You know, they have the infrastructure and the banking and they're a hub of Latin America, you know, so kept looking and kept coming back to Costa Rica, right? There was just something about it. And then once we got very serious and said, "Listen, are we going to keep doing this or are we going to get serious?" And I said, "Okay, let's let me pull out my little captain's hat and we're going to have a family meeting right now and we're going to go through the criteria and the pros and cons." Okay? So we made we actually made a little checklist of what we wanted the next phase of our lives, that country to offer, okay? And so it was simple things. Some of them are very simple things. Like I wanted to hear and see the ocean every day. And I, I, most of my life I lived landlocked, but there's something about the ocean, the appeal of, of walking on the sand and hearing the rhythmic Waves. It it just it gives you peace internally, and and it has helped me with decision making. Whenever I had one of these reasons where it was like, okay, what should I do? What's the next step? I'm going to take a walk on the beach, and things start coming to you. So, but we also wanted things like a stable democracy, and some countries. Can't offer that, uh, especially now. (laughs) Um, We wanted a place that was easy to buy and own property outright with a clear title as a foreigner. Costa Rica offers that. Um, We wanted a straightforward residency process. Um, A lot of countries, you may not. Qualify for it depending on your age or your income bracket. So we wanted to look at a fairly easy, and I won't say it's easy to become a foreign national resident, national resident, yeah. huh. but it, a straightforward one that we could qualify for. Um, we wanted availability of good and affordable health care. I mean, this is certainly something we, you think of as you age and, you know, we're nearing retirement age. So that was something that was very important to us. Um, We wanted an overall lower cost of living than what we were experiencing in the United States. Um, We wanted a warm and welcoming community, uh, both locals and expats. We didn't want to be pioneers where we're Living in a place where we're the only people who are foreigners. It's a big part of living in a new country to have kind of a safety net of people who understand your culture and can kind of help you step through the process. Right. Living living somewhere new and somewhere foreign. Um, we wanted a place that was close enough to arts and entertainment and a good variety of food. Um, You know, island living is extremely appealing and always has been to me, but I do believe there is a reality in island fever. And and if you enjoy going to the ballet or the symphony or a Broadway type show or a giant sporting event, you may not be able to find that in a lot of So that was important to us for our socialization. Um, We wanted to be able to drink water safely out of the tap, (laughs) which is something you don't really think about initially. I mean, it's easy to put water. It's easy to buy bottled water. Um, The environment's not so happy about that part, but we wanted a, a safe out of the tap. And English spoken was a bonus, um, but not a deal breaker. So when you take out that big global map and you look at it, there aren't that many countries that met all of our criteria. And Costa Rica was one of them.
1: That's a pretty thorough list.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. I got pretty, oh, and I forgot to mention um, ease back and forth. To yes. Th- Right. So that's important, too. I'd love to live in Tahiti. That's very appealing, Um, but it's not easy to get there or get home, you know, to your home country if there was some sort of family emergency. Right.
3: Well,
0: you moved to Tamarindo, which is on the Pacific coast, northwest Pacific. Yep. There's also some activity on the Caribbean side as well, which we will talk Mm -hmm. about. Your writing covers all of Costa Rica. I read some stories by you. It says, uh, I rediscovered the magic of Tamarindo. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Places to avoid in Costa Rica. We probably will get into that a little bit. Um, Five reasons why Costa Rica is the best place to retire. Top things to do in Santa Ana, Costa Rica. Mm
3: -hmm. Now,
0: you talk about those in a more comprehensive way. Mm -hmm. And some period during the podcast, we will also want to discuss San Jose, which is the capital city. But tell us more specific about life in Tamarindo. If I wanted to move there, what can I expect? How is the food? How is the... You mentioned earlier about the arts.
2: Yes. Well, and I said close to the arts, because you're not going to get oh. shows or symphony or ballet or oh. <laughs> events or you know, a, a big concert tour coming through in Tamarindo. Right. It's a It's a very small beach town. Um, the population is hard to peg because there are so many expats who are there part-time. So, during high season, you see the population swell mm-hmm. maybe 5,000 people. And you know, in low season, it's probably closer to 3000 people. And uh, it is, it's a, it's a charming beach town. It is very popular with tourists. So um, you do see a great variety of different kinds of restaurants and bars um, and fun touristy things to do, whether it's uh a, a, Sunset cruise on a catamaran or horseback mm. on the beach, or, um, you know, kayaking or stand up paddle boarding, uh, surf lessons. So you've got a lot of tourist fun adventure kind of things. You have a, a great variety of food uh, because what happened, you know, the secrets out about Tamarindo that it's a, a cool place. And a lot of expats put down roots there and you'll see chefs from all over the world. So, uh, you know, there are expats from Germany, from the Netherlands, from Australia, New Zealand, you know, South Africa, as well as the United States and Canada and South America too. So you really do have a fusing of flavors and cultures in this tiny little surfer town. Um, It's it's also a popular party place. So there are lots of bars. There are several uh, very well-known Spanish schools. And so you've got a a youthful vibe of young students coming in to study Spanish, learn surf. Um, So you've got a, a really cool mix of a melting pot. Besides the locals, of course, who live there. Um, and it's also a very popular vacation place for people in the Central Valley, which is where San Jose is located. So we have a lot of Tico um, tourists as well. And Ticos are what Costa Ricans call, them. call
0: it
1: themselves. Right?
2: It's, it's not derogatory in any way. It's we're the Ticos or Tica. <laughs>
1: I have actually had the luxury of spending two weeks in Tamarindo. Uh, I th- I had to write, I had to go ask my girlfriend what hotel we said. It was the Occidental. It's an okay. all-inclusive. Yeah. In,
2: in Langosta.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, okay. Yep. Yeah. We stayed there for two weeks. And I and, and just for logistics purposes for people who are not mm-hmm. familiar with Costa Rica, you do not have to fly into San Jose to get to Tamarindo. There is an airport in Liberia which is an international airport that takes traffic. We actually flew in from Atlanta, but left going towards Houston. International flight, I think it's a two and a half hour flight from Liberia to Houston. Uh,
2: About three and a half hours.
1: About three and a half? Okay. Uh, Yeah, I I flew during Hurricane Harvey, so that's a story for another (laughs) day. But what you just said about that region was, was spot on. I mean, I would get up in the morning. I'm an early riser. So you get out and the howler monkeys are in the trees outside your room. I'm sitting on the balcony, sipping my coffee. And all I have is a view of that Pacific Ocean and the surfers. Yep. And, yep. and, and, and a Doberman Pinscher, who I don't know who owned this dog, but he actually would find me on the beach every morning for two weeks oh. and sit near me. He would not move. Oh,
2: so sweet. He was as sweet as he could be. And hotel is right on a very nice freshwater estuary, too. So you're- yes, Point with the beach on one side and then that estuary, you can just sit in there and cool off and let that cool water just roll across you.
0: I took a look at your condo overlooking the ocean. It's beautiful.
2: Oh, the one <laughs> I have for sale?
1: The one you have for yes, sale. We, we both looked at it a couple of days ago. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. one of the side uh, things that came out of us going to Costa Rica was that we're looking to buy some property in Costa Rica at some point um you know I, i'm fortunate that my girlfriend is born and raised uh, was born in spain but raised in puerto rico so she already speaks spanish
2: uh, uh, so
1: i don't have to deal good with that issue
2: go, good
1: <laughs> <laughs> but as you mentioned most costa Ricans speak english
2: it actually yes it's widely spoken especially in the tourist areas
3: mm-hmm.
2: and a lot of um uh, Schools teach some English, and the Costa Ricans know that the tourism business uh, is is such a great money maker in normal times, and that is very helpful for job advancement uh, to know English. So it it is very widely spoken there, too
3: Yeah,
1: we we actually had a
2: gu-
1: Yeah, we actually had a guide, and he told me he spent a year going to San Jose a couple times a week to learn English.
2: Ah. Interesting. Plenty of places you can learn it right in Tamarindo, too.
1: Yeah. I, I think he was a university student there. So that's why he went okay. back and forth, which is what, a three hour drive?
2: It's a good four hour drive.
1: Four hours? Okay.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. So it's a ways. Yeah. It, it's a ways. And um, actually, a lot of people who live on that part of Costa Rica, they call the Gold Coast, um, pretty much that whole northern part of the Nicoya Peninsula up on the northwest. Um, a lot of them rarely go to San Jose because of this second city, Liberia, as you mentioned, where the other airport is. Um, I moved there eight years ago and there was very little there. And you had to go to San Jose for major commerce, um, even for resi- residency processing and fingerprinting. Any of the big box stores, but now all of that is in Liberia, including a, a very good public hospital and a very good private hospital. So you've got that. You have a Price Mart, which is kind of like a Costco. Um, you have pretty much everything that you need right there in Liberia. So making that four hour track is, is fairly unnecessary.
1: Dave and I have been, this is personal on my part, but Dave and I were doing a little research about it. And we were, I get a lot of questions asked of me about healthcare mm-hmm. in Costa Rica. And I, without any knowledge, just based on mm-hmm. what I read, I've always said it's really good. But can you kind of fill in the, the the gaps, if you will, in terms of telling us what is required to access the healthcare system? Uh, for somebody such as yourself, who now has you know a little Costa Rican citizenry behind you, or if you're just a visitor uh, who's thinking about coming, because I, I, like I said, I've been okay. told it's been excellent and it's easy, easily accessible,
2: and, and that is very true. But um, quick correction: I don't have my citizenship yet. Yet
1: you're working on it. We're going to get to that in just a moment because I saw your I do article have about that. Permanent,
2: I have my permanent residency, and okay. uh, once you're a resident. Uh, you can tap into the uh, public healthcare system. So the country runs on two systems, which is very common in Europe and Latin America, where you have a public system and you have mm-hmm. a private
0: system. A private system, yes. Yeah.
2: Right. So the private system you pay for, and that can be paid for in, in many ways. Um, you can buy a regular insurance policy that you would be familiar with in, for example, the United States, uh, Cigna, Aetna, Blue Cross Blue Shield. They have Latin American counterparts that sell those. And then you have a regular healthcare policy and you go to a private hospital, you're going to see it look like North American, European standards. Uh, with, you know, high-tech equipment and well-trained doctors. Uh, Many of them have studied in Europe or in North America. And uh, it is going to be more expensive than the public system, of course, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it is pennies on the dollar compared to the United States. And I say pennies. Um, It could be as as low at somewhere between 25 and 85% of the same procedure in the US. Wow. Depending on what you're looking at. Okay, so it's become very popular for medical tourism because you don't have to have an insurance policy. You can fly to Costa Rica, you can do $10,000 worth of dental work that may cost about $2,500 in Costa Rica. You can get a swanky vacation out of it and go home and save $5,000, right? So we see a great increase in uh, medical tourism this past decade. And and not just dental, although that was kind of one of the first catalysts. Now we're seeing a lot more plastic surgery. We're seeing hip replacements. Um, You know, for a lot of people, even with insurance in the U.S., it's still more expensive, depending on what their policy is and what uh, their deductibles are, uh, to come to Costa Rica and have that done.
1: Wow. Yeah, I had, a, I had a friend of mine who was recommended, his doctor recommended he go to Costa Rica for uh, hip replacement.
2: Yep. Yep, that's a big one. Um, we're seeing more heart surgeries happen down here. Um, there are three JCI-certified hospitals around San Jose. And if you're not familiar with that, um, it's the Joint Commission International. And they rank hospital medical centers around the world based on a a very serious list of criteria. So it is a big, it's like saying you're dining at a Michelin three-star restaurant, right? So these are, there's three of them in San Jose, which would be, you know, your top, top medical care. That you would see anywhere in the world. Right? Wow. So, so that's that kind of how the private side works. You many expats here in Costa Rica actually pay out of pocket because
0: it's not that expensive. Yeah. so
2: cheap. You know, health. I mean, if you have an ongoing issue, obviously that's a little bit different. But healthy people, um, I, I know some expats who actually they're old enough for social security. So they keep that plan in the United States and live in Costa Rica, pay out of pocket for any of the minor stuff. You know, even if you fall and break your arm, it's going to be so much cheaper. Um, And then they'll buy a medical evacuation. And if they have something major that happens. They, have medevac to the United States and then they're covered. There are a lot of ways you can make that work um, for the private, for the private side. There's also a, a system where it's a discounted plan. It's $14 a month for a network of hospitals and doctors. And then you go to that in network doctor and get a deep discount because you're a member of that plan. So it's not really an insurance, but it's a discounted medical plan. And a lot of people choose to do that, too. It's called Metasmart.
0: Oh, nice, nice. Hey, Dave, you think that plastic surgery
1: would do me some good, man? It would do you a lot of good. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Are you kidding?
1: It beats, it beats Beverly Hills prices.
2: <laughs> no, not that.
0: If you want to do 3 uh plastic surgery, you know, just put in, just add another one to what you've already got. Nah, uh, you'll do fine. I've been thinking of
2: that myself. Ah. I'm gonna get that Joan Rivers
1: look. Oh man, <laughs> and, and your and your lips don't move. know, <laughs> right. you, you gotta turn. You gotta turn your whole head so your eyes can move.
0: <laughs> Kathleen, with the increase popularity in uh, tourism. Are the t- is, is there any concern from the Tito's in terms of over-tourism?
2: Uh, yeah, interesting. I do want to hold that thought because mm-hmm. I want to just pop back over to the public health care.
0: Okay, certainly.
2: And touch on that a little bit. Obviously, for tourists, you wouldn't be interested in hearing about it. But if there is interest in relocating, once you become a resident, you pay into the healthcare system, okay, and that is based on what your claimed income is, uh, mm-hmm. your residency, and it's based on seven to eleven percent monthly. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you if you have a social security check, that is your income for thousand dollars a month, just for easy math, right? Uh, And you can apply as a married couple or a a partnership um, under that $1,000 income. So then your monthly payment into the system could be for both of you somewhere around $70 a month, could be up to $110 a month. Okay. Mm. Um, If you are a Costa Rican citizen and you're working, your employer, pays part of that into the system, and then part of that's taken from the paycheck, okay? So that's how the system is funded from the locals and from the expats. And then everything is included. So your checkups, your blood tests, your surgeries, there is no copay. There is no, we won't cover you for pre-existing issues. There's no age limit. So it's, um, it's pretty incredible the way it is set
1: up. Let me ask you that. And there's no yeah. added fees for all the lab work and stuff. Cause you know, like in America, you pay for your insurance, then you got to pay a lab fee and a this fee and a that fee in addition to your basic insurance plan. So you're saying that that's not the case. That is not the case. Wow. That is not the
2: case. Ooh. It's, it's a very appealing system and it's, considered one of the best ones in Latin America, in all of Latin America. Um, They've used this model. They've been around for 80 years. And in the early days, I mean, when you consider what they would call a third world country, Costa Rica was, you know, high infant mortality rates and uh, communicable diseases that weren't controlled um, unsafe water and this was turned around this was a big mission to turn this around and now nice. life and expectancy in Costa Rica is longer than that of the United States
3: yes. wow. Right.
2: so that's um, some pretty incredible numbers uh, they have hospitals all over the country public hospitals and they have um, small clinics even small rural clinics there where people don't have the means to get to San Jose to a hospital um they they service the entire country now it's not a perfect system, and the hospitals have been strained, especially with this pandemic. There's no question um and you'll hear this with every public health care system. The wait times are long, and they are, and it is it is. A bit of a confusing system for new people who aren't as proficient in Spanish. It can be a very confusing system. I mean, the files, they're finally getting digitized. But even when I first applied, it was piles of folders covered in dust and a little bit <laughs> They pull it out and... Blow the dust off because it was windy and, you know, write your hand, write something and dates got wrong and names were misspelled. So, you know, it's, it's challenging to navigate. Um, but it is, it, it it's still a great system and to know that I'll have healthcare for life with this system.
3: That's nice. important.
2: Yeah. Nice. Okay. So. Back to the tour over tourism question. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, so Costa Rica, as you well know, is advertised as being very green and concerned for ecotourism, adventure tourism, that sort of thing. So um, yes, there are concerns for over-tourism, but I think Costa Rica has done a very good job at Handling that, um, 25% of the country's land is protected. Mm-hmm. So these are national parks, reserves, and they have a certain number of guests that they will allow on that land at any given time. So if you're coming there, you know, especially now, you have to make a reservation for some of these parks to even get into. So it's that's Something to consider. Um, the, the country runs over 300 days on renewable energy. And that mm. every year, sometimes it's 99% of the days on renewable energy. So um, Costa Rica has taken advantage of wind and hydro electricity. Um, there's also some solar and there's also geothermal. Um, you know, we have oh, That are that are brewing all kinds of energy, which is fantastic uh, for the country. So um, you're seeing a lot of responsibility, uh, especially in the tourism industry, where they're stepping up and saying, okay, this is important. Um, We are going to limit the number of people here, which is still a a vast number uh, that are able to visit. But I I think Those concerns are being met uh, by the voices of the tourism industry and by the government. Uh, The government is concerned about that. You know, they're looking at always looking at ways to save the environment. And Costa Rica has pledged to be carbon neutral by 2025. And the government is behind that with electric cars and huge tax breaks, and they put in charging stations and outlawing plastics, certain plastics and styrofoam. So we're looking at a lot of measures um, to keep Costa Rica under that green moniker.
0: Very, very, very forward thinking, because I read that there are plenty of places that you can still feel as as though you're a million miles away from civilization.
2: That is very true. (laughs) Really don't have to go that far. Even if you're in a touristy area, right? Michael, you probably experienced some, wow, where am I moments while you were <laughs> there.
1: That, that, that main highway to uh, San Jose, I forgot the name of it. Um, we pulled off, we were like 15 minutes uh, away from Guanacaste province on the on mm-hmm. that highway. We pulled off mm-hmm. the road because my girlfriend was dying to see a sloth. Ah, that was that was her claim that I want to see a sloth. I mean, from the minute that plane landed to we left two weeks later, all she wanted to see was a sloth. So our guide, he says, I know where to see it. get you a sloth. He pulls off the road and it was like the road was not there. It was so quiet. And we did find a sloth, by the way. Um, and then he says, well, since we're out here in the middle of nowhere, let's go down and see the waterfall. I'm yeah. like, OK. Next thing I know. I know right? Yeah. And we walked down to the waterfall and we're standing there just looking, Yeah, you know, we, we were looking up at the falls and it was just like the most peaceful thing. And Dave, your point about being in the middle of nowhere, this place was in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere, not less than a mile away from a major highway. Wow. I yeah, couldn't hear the highway.
2: The, yeah. All the, the major roads are paved and, a lot of the secondary roads are paved, but beyond that, I mean, you turn off and you're in gravel or dirt and all of a sudden the jungle's around you.
1: Yep. Heck, the, the road to my hotel was not paved.
2: Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> and we were we were hitting potholes and, I, you know, like I said, I'm almost six foot five and my head bounced up and I hit my head <laughs> on the roof and the driver looked at me, sorry, <laughs> um, you know, and kept on yeah. driving. And um we got caught in a we went in August. It was late August, early September.
2: Okay, so you had some rain.
1: Oh boy, did we ever <laughs> we got caught in a torrential downpour just as we were going into town to grab a bite to eat? And I opened the door and I had a hard time getting the door open because the water was up to the door level and I had to really force it open to get out. Then I stand in the street and you know the water's up to my knees. And so we decided to wait out the storm next to a dive shop that was owned by some Canadian expats.
3: Uh-huh.
1: So they invited us in and we started peppering them with questions. It was that day, by the way, that we decided to buy in Costa Rica that day when we were getting rained on um, mm-hmm. because they were so welcoming to us. And they didn't know us. They didn't know who we were. Right. I mean, they just opened their shop to us. They were closed and they were going home. And uh, they sat there and talked to us and they said, well, this is a little shack attached to our uh, property over here, why don't you just sit down and grab a bite to eat? Like they had five chairs and a lady in a shack that was no bigger than your bathroom.
3: Right. But she
1: made some of the best food I have ever had. And that that was Costa Rica in a nutshell.
2: Right. you know, And we're talking, well, I've got kind of a fun fact here. There's um, a place called the Osa Peninsula. This is in the yeah. mm-hmm. other Pacific side of Costa Rica. Right. Right. And um, Corcovado National Park is there. And um, National Geographic researchers have um, deemed this park as one of the most biodiverse places on Earth. And in that biodiversity, you've got 5%, 5% of the entire world's biodiversity in 0.03% of the world's landmass. Wow. Wow. Pretty incredible! You go to this park and you can hike for three days and not see another human being.
0: Is that on the Caribbean Sea side of the country? Oh, is that no, the this is,
2: it's the this Southern Pacific side. the yes, so no, Southern
1: but, South, Southern Pacific
0: side.
2: Yeah, it's, it's close, it, it, close it, to yeah,
3: Panama.
1: yeah, it's, it's down by the Panama border. Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there's wow. a there's a body of water. There's a bay that separates that peninsula from um yeah. from Good. basically from Panama.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, where Gulf Fito is.
0: Let's talk about life on the Caribbean side. Okay. And I also want to talk about San Jose, but we would lead into that as well.
2: Okay, great. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, the Caribbean side is a lot of times kind of overlooked in many respects um, because it is, it's more remote. So there's a small airport there. So the whole Caribbean side, it's, it's smaller than the Pacific side and the whole Northern half of it is national park or reserve. All right. So you, you hear vacationers who go there um, it's, mangroves there's some fantastic fishing there there's uh turtle nesting which is just incredible um but it's it's not tourist built up resorts mm. anyway right so these are tiny little eco lodges where you go and stay and you you take boats and you go through you know the mangroves and a lot of great bird watching there so um, you don't hear about it as much. It's challenging to get to. You can't drive to this part. You actually have to fly into San Jose and then take a small plane hmm. uh, to get there or drive to part of it and then boat there. So you've got that part. And then um, you have the main port city of Limon. Limonia. yeah. Which has a very Caribbean vibe. It's also a port city. So, it's not as popular for tourism per se. Um, Like any big port city, you see a lot of shipping containers that are coming in. Um, It's it's not as popular for tourism. However, you get south of Limon, and that's where you have this beautiful Strand of beaches. The main city there is Puerto Viejo, which is. A very cool town. It's uh, It's got this really cool mix of Costa Rica and the Caribbean. So it's influenced uh, by Calypso music mixed with salsa dancing and with hot chilies and, uh, you know, coconut milk mixed into those Costa Rican flavors. So you have a whole different vibe there. Uh, which is really unique for the country. And then there's there's a whole number of beaches that dot south of there to the Panamanian border. There's a national park there. Um, there's some great surfing uh, and beautiful white sandy beaches. So-, um, so it,
0: Sounds like there's some Panamanian influence there.
2: Uh, there is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's right up to the border. So, and a lot of Jamaican influence as well. There's a lot of Jamaicans that are. Well, um it is more remote. As I said, it's more challenging to get there. You typically fly into San Jose and drive. If you're going down to Puerto Viejo, it's, a, it's about four hours. Um, you cross over the Continental Divide. Yep. It's rainy. Uh, sometimes there's mudslides. It's only a two-lane road. So you don't see the kind of development you do on the West Coast. Um, there are no big resorts. There are no giant fast food chains. You're not going to get your Starbucks or your Pizza Hut. They don't exist there. Um, and it is lacking in infrastructure uh, compared to the rest of the country. And it's lacking in major health care. So when I'm talking to a lot of people who are looking to relocate, it's a cool place to go visit, but probably not to set up home long term.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. It is so isolated. And that Mm -hmm. mountain range that separates uh, San Jose from uh, um, Limon in particular, that's Mm -hmm. not an easy drive. (laughs) It is. We we have a yeah, we have a dear friend of mine who was on our podcast last year. She's actually from. her family's there and uh first of all we had a hard time with our podcast with her because internet access was so bad uh we lost her like six times and she had to keep coming back on and on and on and on well she finally moved back to LA because her ex-husband insisted on it but um (laughs) but yeah that that's that's not an easy drive to make especially you know you're in a place that you're unfamiliar with you're driving on mountain roads uh you know it's, it's a little scary
3: yeah
0: Let's talk about life in San Jose. I would imagine it's like night and day between, um, between the the uh, Pacific Coast,
2: most definitely,
0: and San Jose, which is which is more central, yes. v- within the country. Right. Let's talk. Let's talk about life there. The entertainment, the food. Oh
2: yeah. Well, there's you know, of course, it is. It's our capital. And it is the main city. So uh, Costa Rica has about 5 million inhabitants and probably about 3.5 million of them are in the Central Valley. And it's called the Central Valley, but it's really more like a plateau that is in elevation somewhere between three to 6,000 feet in that particular part um and so you've got the main city and then you do have a lot of suburbs and then you have some outlying areas that are also still considered the central valley they may be an hour away or an hour and a half away but are are popular for a lot of expats because they want more of that country local feeling but to be close to all the major amenities and the healthcare that you find in San Jose so Um, Just like any big city, there's some fantastic arts. Um, We have a national theater there that was uh, built in the late 1800s, I believe. A beautiful theater modeled after uh, a theater you would see in France or in in Italy. So uh, when they built that, they wanted to bring the arts to Costa Rica at an affordable price. And you can still buy a ticket to the ballet for $10. It's it's pretty cool. So a beautiful old theater right in the middle of downtown. There's a big uh, pedestrian shopping area there um, where you can walk. There's uh, museums. So uh, very much city life. Uh, We have a national stadium where the... uh, the Tico's play. That is our <laughs> Greek and football team
3: Bobby, yep.
2: soccer. Um, and uh, it's wildly popular. And I don't know if you watched the World Cup at all, but back in 2014, Costa Rica was the surprise team in their bracket. Yeah. Winning against some of the big powerhouses. And it's funny because now. There's people who are like, oh, well, now I know where Costa Rica is because of the World Cup. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I'm talking about people like in Europe and in India. It's like, I've never heard of Costa Rica until the World Cup. Look,
1: look, we got Americans who haven't heard of Costa Rica, so it's not just them.
2: Right. I still have people asking me how's life on the islands. It's like, no.
0: No, it's not an island. It's <laughs>
2: not an island. Yeah, <laughs> no, I I kid you not. We we sarcastically joke about this all the time. And I think it's partly because people mix up Puerto Rico with Costa Rica, possibly.
0: I think it goes deeper than that. Lack, of, because, lack, lack of knowledge. <laughs> yeah,
2: geography 101 people, Central America.
0: Bordered by Panama and Nicaragua, definitely. Right.
2: Most important question. Yeah.
0: If I got up two o'clock in the morning and I just felt for an adult beverage, <laughs> are, are there any <laughs> You gotta wait till two.
3: Are there any?
0: Are there any twenty-four hour places that I can just go have a drink or a meal at night?
2: Ah, that's a great question. Uh, Officially, there's closing times, um, but unofficially, (laughs) not really, which is the beauty of Costa Rica, really. Um, Most now in normal time, right? Mm -hmm. We do have um, some protocols in place right now and to keep people from drinking and congregating late night and letting down their guard. Um, most places have to close at 10 o'clock right now. But normally, no, uh, they may say they close at two, but it's kind of when the last customer decides to go home.
0: Or we can come to your home and get a drink. You
2: know? yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, <laughs> even in my small town, uh, I could wander out at 3.30 in the morning uh, in non-pandemic times and and grip. Yeah. Beer at a local place, so yeah, yeah. All right, uh, that is.
0: You know that question was coming, Michael. Yeah, I
1: did.
2: <laughs> Not a problem. Please come to Costa Rica.
1: <laughs> <And fire laughs> Dave, Dave has this out. affinity for finding those adult beverage places.
3: <laughs> well,
2: you know, one of the things that's cool about uh, Tamarindo is the beach, yeah. and you know some of the beach communities. Um don't aren't as centered around beach activities but at sunset you have all the locals all the tourists all of the beach bars live music mariachis out for the sunset and you'll see people jogging walking their dogs doing yoga doing you know it's hula hooping you name it it's just it's this vibe that just happens at the beach yeah. every day at sunset. It's yep. incredible.
3: Yep, it,
0: it really um, is. But in terms of, I mean, from the perspective of food, um, yes. what's the country? What's the country's cuisine like? And um, okay. can you describe a typical dish? What people expect to see yes. when they get there?
2: Yes, Dave. I'm. I'm really glad you brought up that question because Costa Rica is really not known for their cuisine. When talking and you know and hey let's go out for thai food let's go out for indian food let's go out for italian you don't hear anyone ever say let's go out for costa rican food do you <laughs> right no. so, so one of the wonderful things about costa rica is the food actually so we're in the tropics we can grow just about anything plant a seed in the ground and you've got a you have a lime tree in a couple of years right so all organic amazing fruits and vegetables of just about every kind are there locally and they're not picked early and put on a boat and brought to you i mean they're fresh you might have a fresh picked banana from this morning right so you've got fruits and vegetables you've got you have two oceans basically so you have seafood from both coasts that you can get fresh that day. Um, you have lakes and rivers and streams. So we have um, a lot of trout that comes from the lakes. Uh, we have all the beautiful kinds of seafood, um, as far as tuna, fresh tuna, amazing, um, all kinds of different types mm-hmm. of. Food, and it's also beef country in Guanacaste. So you've yes. got cultures and farmers. And so you've got Costa Rican beef candy. Um, some prefer the Nicaraguan brand that is also available. So you've got this amazing mix of food and you have all these chefs that are coming down fusing flavors from their home country and Costa Rica. So Costa Rica is no longer rice and beef. And that's what a lot of people think it is. I'll talk to you about two very basic Costa Rican dishes that you'll see on every menu at every soda. And a soda is a local Costa Rican, typically family-owned restaurant that's going to be cheaper, not necessarily off the beaten path. They're everywhere, but it's going to be cheaper than going out for a nice meal or a tourist-type restaurant. Okay, so you've got these little local sodas, and there are two dishes that you'll find on every menu in the entire country. One is gallo pinto.
0: Yes. It's,
2: that actually means spotted rooster. Yeah. And, um, because of all its beautiful colors mixed together, right? So um, it's typically a breakfast dish, but you may see it other times of the day as well. And it's basically rice and beans, but then they bring in red and green chile dulce or um, pepper, bell pepper, uh, cilantro, onion. It's mixed all together and kind of molded into a little tower. And you'll see that on your breakfast dish with your eggs and uh, plantains and that sort of thing. So gallo pinto is an eternal favorite, as well as a cassado plate. You'll see Mm. it on every menu. And the actual word "casado" in Costa Rican Spanish means married, but it's hard to kind of trace back if this plate is because everything is married on the plate, or if it's the workers who were married men who <laughs> and get their cassado plate, you know, during the lunch hour. We're not exactly sure, but um, it's very simple but very inexpensive and um, huge. Usually these plates are huge. So you'll always have black beans, rice, plantains, a small salad and a tortilla, and then you'll have a protein, whether it's chicken, beef, pork, or even some places serve it with fish. Um, Very filling and very popular, right? So those are two very basic. But again, as I mentioned, you've got all these chefs fusing all these cool flavors now. So um, you see a lot more than the basic rice and beef.
0: That's number one. You said there were two. What's the other one? Did I miss it?
2: Yeah, yeah. The the cassado plate. Cassado
1: plate.
0: Oh, oh, that's another one. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, And also on the Caribbean side, we have a lot of jerk stuff. Jerk chicken.
0: Ah, the Jamaican influence.
2: Yes, yes. So you've got that rice and beans, but then you've got a little more heat, a little more zip. So again, I love the food.
0: There. Is there any food that we're sort of not used to here in North America? Like, like, like for instance, we just did a podcast. Mm-hmm. One of our guests was in uh, Croatia. Mm-hmm. And they had, there you go. I'll tell you, man, love, love Jamie.
3: Yeah. She's.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And she, she talked about beer paw. (laughs) 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 I knew that was coming. Did you get that beer paw?
2: Is is there,
0: is there anything that I would look at and say, "Mm, I'm not going to try this? Um, actually no. Um,
2: the Costa Rican diet, the very Basic Costa Rican diet is fairly bland and uh, fairly common, and you know, very cost-saving. So, like, there's a dish called the olla de carne, which means pot of beef, right? Very basic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You slow cook it for hours and hours, and there's a hunk of beef, and then vegetables. It's kind of vegetable stew-like. There is nothing that's out there that I have seen. And I've eaten some weird street food in Cambodia and places like that. And there's, you know, no one's crunching on fried scorpions here. So.
0: <laughs> or things like alligator testicles and that crazy stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You talked about traveling and, and tasting some weird food. Yeah. Can you share some, some of those experiences and uh, let us know if it stayed down?
2: Ah, that is a great question. I was on a, uh, I had a little extra time in Cambodia. I went to Angkor Wat and, um, signed up just for a little day tour. And it was kind of one of, I think it was intrepid travel and they're great because you can just do a day tour and whoever's there, you go with them. And this grew after we went to one of the temples at Angkor Wat, because you think, Oh, Angkor Wat, you see that in a day. There's like, Old temples. It it, take, it could take a week to see this place. So we went to one of them, and then I was with this um Australian girl originally from China and a, a bloke from the UK, eaters, <laughs> right? And they were like, Well, don't take us to this place you take the tourists. We will we <laughs> to street food. And I was like, I'm in. <laughs> I'm a traveler. And we stop up at this stand and it's it's fried insects, basically. It's little baby frogs, mm. and, uh, crickets, and mm. cockroaches. <laughs> wild cockroaches, not even fried. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow, this one's going to be And I'm all in. Still all in. And they're just munching them down. And I thought, hey, okay, yeah. okay, let me. And I, and, and I did the up right <laughs> in my mouth. And they all laughed at me. Because they're like, you're supposed to take off the legs.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, you, you are. You just, you just stick
2: to your tongue. And I, and, I, and I was like panicked, pulling this thing out and, you know, pulling the legs <laughs> off my tongue. So then they were like, in the cockroach. And so what you do is you lift the cockroach wings up and you, you scoop out the goo. Hmm. Right? Yeah. So I did it. Um. There's a photo of me somewhere doing it, and I was like, "Okay, good. I'm good." And then Mm -hmm. lunch at this little roadside stand with all these thing dried things hanging up. You know, (laughs) walk in, and I'm like, I don't even recognize what these reptiles (laughs) are. And people actually carve them off and eat them at happy hour. You know, and so our tour guide told his buddy who owned the restaurant, you know, they want duck blood soup. We're trying all local things. This is a big deal um, to kill <laughs> a duck. So it's very expensive and most Cambodians can't afford to do that. And the guy went out and back and you heard him chop the head off a duck. Oh. And they pour the hot duck blood into a bowl. And bring it out to you with these other bowls filled with, you know, greens and things like that. Bamboo shoots, whatever. And then they pour the hot duck blood into it. And that's your soup. Hmm. And so, yeah, I did try it. And um, it was pretty nauseating in the (laughs) 110 degree Fahrenheit heat. And. Um. Uh, I had a, t- I did have a tough time with that. It was very tinny and hot. And I went and laid in a hammock with my st- stomach gurgling for about 30 minutes <laughs> while the rest of my adventure tour <laughs> people ate away. So, yeah.
3: yeah.
0: Did you sleep well that night? I did
1: not not. <laughs> right. So
2: you have nothing like that hey.
1: Costa No, 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 you don't. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm an Air Force vet. So some of that survival training garbage that you ate, and I'm gonna call it garbage. They taught me, and I'm like, oh hell no. <laughs> I'll, I'll die in the jungle before I eat that stuff. Come on,
2: Michael.
1: You didn't have a. I- I did. I had the cockroach. Okay. I had the grasshoppers. The yeah. frog legs were nothing. I ate those when I was a kid. But yeah, yeah I had right. all that stuff.
2: Well, it's mm-hmm. not the frog legs. You take the whole frog leg you pop
1: No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> especially when you realize there's some parts of the world where the frog is poisonous. <laughs> so
2: I love to travel and I love to try the local cuisine, but and I'm all in, but sometimes I do find a few things challenging. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that, yeah, I'm I'm like you. Um, it, in the in, tell me a little bit about. Uh, I'm going to circle back to Costa Rica because I can't eat any more cockroaches. The thought of just scooping out the gut still makes me sick.
3: Um, <laughs> um,
1: I read an article somewhere in the last year about the number of expats that are actually moving to Costa Rica and buying property, and they're starting to drive the prices up especially down in the southwest corner, down near the peninsula area and the area that's like a, within a two-hour drive of San Jose.
2: They are driving it up everywhere. Yeah. Um, we're not sure the exact number of just United States expats alone. Um, they're The State Department's somewhere between 50 and 70,000. Okay. They're, wow. Which is pretty big for a 5 million population. Yeah, it is. Right? And that's just the United States. There are lots of Canadians. There's lots of Europeans. So, uh, yes, the price of real estate is being driven up. There's no question. I mean, we're coupling it with inflation, which is an issue. And we're coupling it with a pandemic where there's a lot of people that want a change. And there's a lot of people who are unhappy with what's going on in the United States politically on both sides of the fence. Hmm. Um, And they're looking for other opportunities and they're looking for places where their money will go further. And even though we're talking about prices being driven up, um, it's still much more affordable. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'll I'll give you an example. Um, We. And I don't mind sharing. We, we live in a, a very nice North American style condominium, two bedroom, two and a half bath, um, 30 seconds from the beach with a partial ocean view. And um, we paid eight years ago, 300000 for it. And our property taxes on it are $500 a year.
3: You, you, you know how much what you just
1: described to me would cost me in Redondo Beach, California, where I used to live? Mm-hmm. What you just described mm-hmm. is a $3 million property.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
1: And you've got it for $350. Right. And $500 of property taxes. Right. Yeah. So, uh, my property tax on a week was more than that $500 for the year.
2: Right. So, but a, a, a tico wage averages... Um, if, if you're a general worker, I'm not talking about the government workers or the right. society in San Jose, but in our area, a very good salary is a thousand dollars a month.
3: Yeah, yep, that's true. So that's true.
2: they're being driven out of the popular expat communities because they can't afford to live. There.
1: And and that's what scares oh. me. I I don't want Costa Rica to become the America of the South. <laughs> Uh, right. I wanted to maintain its Costa Rican charm and the people and the stuff like that. And that, that part actually scares me. Um, another thing that Dave and I have spent an enormous amount of time talking about on our podcast is the quote unquote digital nomadism. Yes. Uh, and when I was in Costa Rica, at the accidental, I had Internet access issues. How mm-hmm. is Internet access uh, throughout the country set Puerto Limon aside? Because I already know how bad it is over
3: there. <laughs> right? It's really bad.
2: Um, It has vastly improved since I've moved there in the last eight years. I will say that. uh, There are some new fiber companies that have come on board in the last couple of years. Um, It's not available everywhere. But where you see expats and digital nomads, the demand is there. And so they have answered to that. And so we are seeing definitely better, not the kind of speeds you're gonna see in North America, even when, you know, they say it is, it's not. It's not. it's it's a lot better. There are some digital cafes, you know, that are popping up for the digital nomads. And um, in these spaces, they will pay for the top fiber available um there there's a hostel chain called selena and they have locations all over the country and you don't even have to stay there you can use their facilities during the day and that sort of thing if you want to work um and costa rica just passed the law for the digital nomad visa and this is new and it, basically if you can prove you make $3,000 a month from an outside source. And that's an average. So if you make a thousand one month, but you know, 4,000 the next, you still qualify. Um, you can apply for this digital nomad visa. You don't need to leave the country every 90 days, which is fantastic. Um, you can also open a bank account, which you cannot do until you're a resident of Costa Rica. So, and you can import anything you need for your job tax-free. So it's a pretty cool thing. And if, wow. you, if you spend 180 days in the country during your first year, you can reapply for year two. Wow. Yeah. Just, it just passed. They're working on the details of how they're going to sort it all out with, with immigration and what the fees are going to be. But um,
1: Well, here's, here's why I asked the question. Because yeah. if, Dave, if Dave wants to move to Costa Rica, he has to have access to adult beverage. Yeah.
3: He has to have
1: good internet access. And he needs to be able to park his rich jet on somebody's runway and all of his money in a Costa Rican bank. <laughs>
3: oh,
2: my God.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> Dave is driving up the cost of real estate already. Yes. yes see, I, 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 right. I got to right. watch, watch Dave. <laughs> um, you know, he, 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 he's quiet but you know he, he got all this stuff in the background so he doesn't draw attention to himself so um uh, i read in one of your articles um that there are three basic ways to become a citizen/resident of Costa Rica and i think you mentioned earlier you're on the path with one of those three ways can you kind sort of sum that up in a nutshell
2: Okay, so um, there's three main ways that foreigners go. There's a couple of other ways too. Um, But uh, the first one is the pensionado or the pensioner, okay? And that basically you say, I have a lifetime income of X, right? So that can, it's typically social security. So this, this is great for older expats who already qualify for it. Um, and as long as it's a minimum of a thousand dollars, you can apply immediately. Okay. And you can do that for a couple. So if you've got a couple and one of them's making 20 two, you know, 2000 a month and one of them's making 1200 a month, you can claim the 1200, right? Ah. It's going to help you with your payment to the, to the CAHA, which is the healthcare, healthcare. So Right. So that's, um, there are a few other things that qualify. If you have a real pension, let's say you worked for the state or the federal government, you have, you can prove you have a lifetime pension. Okay. So that's one way. The other way is the rentista um, or rent, rentier. Okay. So this basically, you prove you have $2,500 a month to live in Costa Rica. Typically, the way you have to do that is you take 60000 U.S. dollars and you put it in a Costa Rican account. And that proves you have that money for the first two years of your temporary residency. Right. So you don't have to draw on it, but you have to say it exists.
3: Right. Okay.
2: Right. And then the other one is the inversionista or the investor. And basically, you invest in Costa Rica. They just changed the law to the minimum is $150,000, which really is fantastic because most of the homes or condos you're looking at are going to cost that. So your personal home qualifies, And that's the way we did it because we don't have a pension and we're too young for Social Security. So we actually went that route. We sold our, our home in the U.S. and bought in Costa Rica. And then as soon as the closing happens, you can apply. Wow. So make that, makes that it pretty seamless.
1: That's easy. Yeah,
2: it's easy. And it doesn't have to be your residence. You could buy a vacation home. You could buy a business. You could still live wherever you live and, you know, run a and b So... Uh, there's other, you can do a reforestation project, you know, if that's important to you. So there's mm-hmm. other ways to get around that. Um, there's two other ways. You can have a baby on Costa Rican soil.
1: No. <laughs> <Yep>.
3: <laughs>
2: Either one of you gentlemen would qualify for that one, I hope.
3: But, <laughs> yeah,
2: so you can do that. Or you can marry a Tico. Very difficult yes. to apply. I know there are certain islands where you invest in the country and, and you get a passport. I know Nevis and St. Kitts does that, yeah. and a few others. Yeah. Um, no, you cannot, you cannot buy your citizenship in Costa Rica. Once, if you are Latin, Latin American, after five years of residency, you can apply for citizenship. All others, you have to wait seven years of full residency before you can apply. And then then you take the test. Then you become naturalized. You sing the Costa Rican uh, national anthem. Uh, you take a test in Spanish. So there's uh, a lot of stuff you do to become. You really have to learn social studies and, and the political system. And then uh, then you can apply. Or then then you're naturalized and you can get a passport. so it's a long process,
1: okay yeah we've we've kept you for an hour and fifteen minutes already yeah. so I probably I probably need to wrap this up. A uh, quick question you'd mentioned at the top. what is considered high season in Costa Rica for travel as a tourist?
2: Yeah, for high season, uh, it's typically dry season um and that runs anytime from Pretty much US Thanksgiving, so late November through definitely through Easter, depending on when Easter falls. That's a huge holiday in Costa Rica. Um, so, usually late March into April. Okay. So that's high season. Um, I do recommend coming in low season because everything is green and beautiful, and you're not fighting crowds. Um, there's not as much going on, but it's, there's never a bad time.
1: I I, I went to rainy season and it didn't stop me.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and rainy season starts pretty much in May, but in a lot of places you think rainy season, oh my God, my vacation is washed out. And that's just, it, it may rain an afternoon shower every other day. So, you know, you're looking at May, June, July, August, still lovely weather for at least half the time, if not most of the time. Right. Um, September, October is pretty rainy everywhere. So, wow. OK. Yeah.
1: Well, Kathleen, this has been so cool. We managed yeah. to make it through a, a podcast about Costa Rica without talking about a snake.
2: Um, <laughs> yes, we have them, and they're poisonous.
1: Yes, I know. I ran across one in the Hanging Bridges on the trail right in front of me that I was walking by myself near the Arizona Volcano, and I had to kind of let him pass, and then he wouldn't pass. So I picked up a brick and threw it at it, and he shot off into the woods. So yeah, they are poisonous, but Dave and I, Dave and I don't do snakes,
2: and we and we don't eat them.
1: <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> and this was a big one. I don't know what kind of snake it was, but it was huge. <laughs> Um, uh, so anyway, I uh, we really, really appreciate you uh, rearranging your schedule for us and doing this podcast. Um, uh, I couldn't have thought of a better person to talk everything Costa Rica than you. Um, so thank you so much for doing this. And if uh, people want to uh, read more, not just about Costa Rica, but all Cat's other adventures and other interests, because she has a diverse and varied background. It's not just travel. <laughs> You can catch it on Kat's Journey. That's her website, Kat, with a K, K K-A-T-S, journey.com. Kat, thank you so much. Or Kathleen, I will say. Thank you so much for doing this. And um, Dave, you got any final words for our friend?
0: Just want to thank her for joining us. I'm so happy that she was able to reschedule for us. You know, it was a little mix-up last week. But you know what? It was well worth it. So.
2: Thanks. I, I really, really enjoyed hanging out with you guys.
1: You're a great, you're a great guest. And by the way, you are now TripCast360 family, which means that you come back for other things other than Costa Rica.
2: I would love like to do that.
1: And We could, we could talk University Done. of Texas football at some point later on down the road, too. <laughs> Although I, I, can, I, can, I can put a travel spin on that. So we're good. <laughs> we're
2: good. I travel to away games sometimes.
1: Oh, yeah. see, there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Thank, Thank you me. so much again.
3: Thank and uh
1: you have been listening to Tripcast 360, this podcast of lively banter about travel tourism and entertainment. And on behalf of my dear friend Dave Cumberbatch, this is Michael Gordon Bennett, saying so long and see you next time on another edition of Tripcast 360.